Hey, Crypt Keepers, I want to tell you about our affiliation with Parabox. Parabox is a t-shirt subscription box with a twist. Each month, you'll receive a new paranormal soft style tee and info card about that month's theme. The shirt and card will contain clues to finding a hidden password for use on their website. Correct entries get entered in a raffle for free gear. They're pretty dope shirts with designs about all your favorite paranormal stuff like Black Eyed Kids, Bigfoot, Nazca Lines. Uh, my favorite is a cool Battle of Los Angeles tee. The designs are actually silk screened onto a soft style tee and we all know those are super comfortable. From the moment you open your pair box, you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt you'll forget there's a puzzle built into it. Each shirt contains a secret password. It can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. Have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. You can find the link in the show notes and we get a little kickback when you sign up for the box, so we would really appreciate it too. Here's a little refresher on who the hell I am. I wear a leather jacket, I have Lucille, and my nutsack is made of steel. I am not dying until I am damn good and ready. Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to Cryptique. I am Ryan doing the intro this time and as always i'm joined by jay the only man i know who uses zombies groans as a metronome for his drumming practice jay how's it going it's going good and yes i do use zombie groans there will be zombie groans throughout this episode and uh you know you can you can make a cool sound really out of anything i like to use a lot of weird stuff like you know change jingling in a pocket for a hi-hat and stuff like that so why not why not (laughs) put them to work yep they don't need credits or anything (laughs) right they don't want attribution Mm -hmm. all right so tell them what they need to know well we would love it if you guys would follow us on social media i mean let's be honest you get two cool free episodes a week we're at 100 episodes we've never asked you for a dime all we've asked is that you share on social media so please do that for us you can find our tiktok at cryptique underscore podcast right now there's a couple stories and a lot of beats that we use for the intros and outros and stuff and basically the same stuff is on youtube and that's at cryptique podcast and you'll be able to listen to the podcasts on youtube if that's your preferred source it's really just going to be album covers or cover art i should say that's on the screen but if that's your preferred way to listen you can do that you can check out the parabox link in the show notes i've been putting up cool shirts that they sell uh for the betty and barney hill I actually posted a picture of the Zeta Reticuli t-shirt. So they have a lot of shirts that go along with the episodes that you listen to. So check that out. The store may or may not be open. We're still working on it. But, you know, everything takes time. What are we talking about tonight? 
Tonight we are talking about surprise zombies. And we're either going to have a little fun or teach you some life-saving techniques in the event of an apocalyptic virus. Boom. You're welcome. And this doesn't just have to be an apocalyptic virus. It could be any reason you need to bug out. Mm-hmm. Right, not just not just zombies, not just COVID. Right. Any useful tips here for anything. Bad divorce, just need to get away. <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of argument, let's assume there's a virus, probably man-made, that turns people into zombies. We all remember the basalt story about a guy getting his face eaten. But, <laughs> but we're not going to speculate. That sounded very much like Minecraft. <laughs> but we're not going to speculate, so just suspend your disbelief. We'll cover some real stories of zombie fungus found in nature in our after party. We'll also suppose that the virus is spread through bites similar to most zombie stories. So, so, yeah. what happens when you get bit? Now, basically, you're going to have, like, depending on where you get bit, if you get bit on the neck or something like that, you're pretty much screwed. But at least in some of the movies and shows we've seen, if they get bit on the hand, they have a certain amount of time where they can cut the hand off. But basically, you're going to, for the sake of this podcast, you're going to quickly change into a zombie within, I don't know, let's say 15 minutes, right? Even though they spread it out on... uh, Walking Dead, mm. where like the one girl gets her arm bit and then she's got like a day to decide. And it's like, no, 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 no. You need to cut that off now because blood travels extremely quick. But yeah, basically you just turn into what would you say? An autonomous brain eating or brain seeking mindless creature that even though they have no entrails or guts, they have this this need to feed. I want to make a joke about Twitter users, <laughs> which maybe I just did, but yeah, that's that's a pretty accurate description of zombies. So one zombie's not a big problem, right? You can put them down. You could even tie them up and study them right. if you need to, which would be probably what would happen in the beginning. But let's talk about outbreaks. So we're not worried about one or two zombies, even though that's where it all starts. But tell us a little bit about the class one through four outbreaks and kind of what that entails. So class one is a low level outbreak, usually in a third world country. So it's going to be someplace with, yeah, someplace that's going to have less of an ability to respond to that. You know, through military, police, whatever. And probably not have a whole lot of travel going in and out. I I don't know that there's, you know, a whole lot of people that are wanting to travel to third world countries besides, you know, scientists and, and stuff like that. So that is where we can kind of still keep it under control, hopefully, if we're prepared. But then what's class two? Class 2 is a mid-level outbreak in Western countries, including some urban areas. So a place that's going to have more traffic in and out and a larger population. But I would assume more of a chance for it to be kind of fought. Yeah. So 
it's bad news if it happens there. Yeah, well, they're going to have resources in some of these areas that they wouldn't have, like, say, you know, if this happened in some villages in Africa or something like that. So they may have an opportunity to try and tackle it there, but it's also in multiple places at this point. So that's not good. You have it, you know, spreading from different sources. It's going to spread much quicker. And then we've got the high level out, and we're assuming that these are going to kind of happen in order. I mean, it you never know. It could start out at level three, and there was something that got in the water, or or whatever, and you know, a high number of people in the population ended up with this zombie virus. But the high level outbreaks are in many areas throughout the world, including entire countries and even continents. So. At that point, you need to be on your way, wherever, whatever your plan is, and we'll talk about that, but you need to be getting out of Dodge at that point. And what about level four? At level four, we are fucked. The zombies greatly outnumber humans, and we are trying to survive in their world. So this is like a Walking Dead type scenario. And I don't know. It's hard to say, but... Eventually, you would think if if they're like the zombies are going to die out, right? They're going to eventually all have to be killed. But at that point, that's the only option. If you want to try and get a world back, you almost have to be on the offensive and just, you know, chopping heads nonstop <laughs> until it's over. Because, yeah, at this point, you know, we're not we're not the top of the food chain anymore. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or this is like a 28 Days Later scenario. Yeah. That was the other one I was thinking of where you kind of like suddenly you wake up and it, yeah, not your world anymore. That's a very good way that you put it. That, that would be awful. So it's important to have, you know, stuff around just to bug out if you need to bug out because you never know. You don't want to be stuck in a zombie apocalypse, right? You don't want to be the guy that's like, well, I go to Swiss Army Knife. What can I use the toothpick for? But anyway. I also wouldn't want to be the guy who's like, oh, I've been saving up nickels for years from this specific date range because they're made of real nickel. True. Because it's like, and what are you going to do with that? I mean, there probably is useful stuff to do with it as you rebuild society. But I I know that I've told you this before. I know a prepper who literally did that or does that. Uh-huh. It's like, what do you... The best that's going to lead to is a conversation between two other people in the future where one of them's like, hey, where'd you get that bag of nickels? <laughs> it's like, oh, I found this weird prepper guy. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, I would keep, you know, silver, keep gold, you know, but I, I don't think nickel's going to do a whole lot for you unless you want to try and make ammo mm-hmm. out of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can melt it and use it for something, then great, but otherwise... Probably not. But my brother-in-law brought up a good point yesterday. He was like, you know what we really need when everything goes digital? We need an all-cash society. We need everybody to be like, fuck you. We're taking dollars and fives and twenties and nickels, and that's it. And they just basically say, we're going to trade in this. You guys can tax us on whatever, but... 
I know that I can go to this farmer's market and they only take cash. And I know I can go to this blacksmith and they only take cash. So we keep our cash value. So be really difficult, but that's a scenario where those nickels could come in handy. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk about zombie virus origins after a quick break. My name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hell is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie How on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Let's talk about the origin of the virus. Would it be Wuhan? It is possible that this is the result of chemicals. Mm -hmm. So... Wade Davis, a Harvard ethnobiologist, presented a pharmacological case for zombies in a 1983 article in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology. Ooh, and I got through that on the first try. And later in two popular books, The Serpent in the Rainbow in 1985 and Passage of Darkness, The Ethnobiology of the Haitian Zombie in 1988, which is a great title for a book. I think he might have just... I know I read that title before, but that's really the good. The Serpent in the Rainbow. Uh no, no, the passage of darkness. Oh, man, I like the serpent in the ring. Yeah, no biology of Haitian, Haitian zombie. It sounds pretty dope. It sounds like he knows what he's but, talking about. Right, for sure. So Davis traveled to Haiti in the early 80s and claimed through his investigations that a living person can be turned into a zombie by two special powders being introduced to the bloodstream. And he found that this could be done even through a wound. Mm-hmm. So the first powder strike, as he called it, includes tetrodotoxin, which is a powerful and frequently fatal neurotoxin found in the pufferfish. And the second consists of delirium drugs such as detura. So in Japan, they eat pufferfish. So right. hopefully they it don't. It has to be treated in <laughs> some special way. It's like one of those deals where you have to be licensed in some way to even handle it, I think. Yeah, so maybe that's where the zombie... Apocalypse starts as Japan. It, Somebody eats some bad puffer fish. Well, they're on an island, so. That would explain a lot about Japanese <laughs> media. In Japanese culture, they're. Yeah. I don't know, man. I ate puffer fish, and ever since then, I've been buying used 
panties out of vending machines at the airport. Right. Sleeping with my waifu pillow. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so you said uh, Detura, right? Detura What's Detura? is the most terrifying and dangerous hallucinogen in the world. It is not uncommon for people who take this drug to develop psychosis, paranoia, or other mental problems. Together, these two powders, the tetrodotoxin and this, were said to induce a death-like state in which the will of the victim would be entirely subjected to that of their master, or in the Haitian terms, their brokor. Davis also popularized the story of Clervius Narcisse, who was claimed to have succumbed to this practice. Mm. Man, wake up a zombie, that would suck. Yeah. So there's there's other stuff to the Haitian zombie thing that I'll skip, but there are, there are other things that they add into it, but those are the primary ingredients. And then the process after that is the death-like state followed by a reawakening, usually after being buried or put through some kind of ceremony where they feel as though they've actually died, yeah. and then kind of rising up into a psychotic state. Psychosis induced by the drug and psychological trauma was hypothesized by Davis to reinforce culturally learned beliefs and to cause the individual to reconstruct their identity as that of a zombie, since they knew that they were dead and had no other role to play in the Haitian society. So they identify as zombies now. That's what they think. Right. And this is, yeah. And this is something that wouldn't necessarily work in a culture that didn't already have that. Right. Right. Yeah. But, to kind of skip through some more of the Haitian stuff, the symptoms of tetrodotoxin poisoning range from numbness and nausea to paralysis, particularly of the muscles and diaphragm, unconsciousness, and death, but do not include a stiffened gait or a death-like trance. So, so you're, yeah, more likely you're just going to see some comatose Japanese businessman who has a bad puffer fish <laughs> as opposed to one wandering around trying to eat you. Yeah, they're just wandering around going, panties, used <laughs> panties. <laughs> but <laughs> the scientific community generally dismisses tetrodotoxin as the cause of this zombification. So it looks like culturally it could be explained by these chemicals in Haiti, but not necessarily the rest of the world. But we don't know that they've done a lot of tests on these two items being used in conjunction with each other so i mean did did they try and make a zombie and say it doesn't work or did they just use other data to try and you know prove that it wouldn't work or to lead them to that conclusion because i doubt that they just took somebody and they're like "Eh, let's give them some puffer fish venom and some detura and see if we can make a zombie but i'm sure it's been done We're going to discuss a study in the after party on cordyceps, which is kind of a new popular, I guess, trend in uh, zombie making, if that's a thing. (laughs) But in the beginning, how are you going to know? Because you can't necessarily count on the media coming out and saying, oh, yep, there's zombies. Uh, Watch out. If somebody's moaning and ringing your doorbell, chop their head off they're not going to say that so we're going to have to look for some other things to let us know that this is possibly what's taking place so in the beginning you're going to see an increase in headshot homicides 
Why? Because if a zombie's coming at you and you shoot them in the chest, in the stomach, it does nothing. You have to shoot them in the head. You are going to see more missing persons because now you have kids that go missing. You have, you know, abductions. You have people that walk, want to walk away from society, stuff like that. But you're going to be seeing like a big increase, like, a you know, a huge increase of what would be considered low risk people, I think, disappearing, you know, like uh, Bob, who opens up the mechanic shop every day at 8 a.m. and hasn't missed a day in three years. Suddenly nobody's heard from him in a week. Well, that that's a problem. Um, you know, Sarah from the bank that's always there to pick the deposit up in the morning doesn't show up. And you just see all these kind of random missing people. That's another sign. Uh, there's a couple more. What are the other ones? Yeah, random violence. Uh, it it is likely that zombies would not be recognized as zombies at first. Mm-hmm. So, any acts perpetrated by the zombies would be attributed to random violence. They'd probably say it was some kind of gang thing at first or some drug-related issue that people are suddenly attacking people and biting them and mm-hmm. whatever else. They might even think it's some form of rabies. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads to the next one. Disease-based death. Yeah. You know, there'd be these random acts of violence, these missing people, and then when those people do turn up, you know, they're they're dead, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. even if they're walking around, they're they're dead in most zombie lore. <laughs> but yeah, you know, these people are gonna die after just being bitten by some random person on the street, so that's probably gonna take away that drug explanation pretty quickly. You would hope. And then yeah, you're gonna see uh people walking around without intestines. <laughs> if you see that, that's a good sign too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the media, uh, who knows? I I mean, you know, I think you are kind of on the side of like, yeah, they might try and help us out and be like, Hey, there's something weird going on. But then we also have to look at, you know, the government is going to come in and be like, Nope, we can't have people, you know, getting scared. We can't, we can't let them decide their own fate and what to do. We have to control them, take over, and part of that would be controlling what the media is allowed to, to broadcast. But I think you would see more of it in the beginning. You know, the increase in headshots and more missing persons and maybe random violence. But I think once you get to disease-based deaths, it's going to be, there's going to be a short leash on the media. Ah. So we are going to discuss weapons. Ryan and Jay and Cryptique are not telling you to carry a weapon. No, no, That's no. our disclaimer. We are saying that in the event that there is a zombie apocalypse, you may need to decide what weapons you're going to use. So until there's a zombie apocalypse, we're not telling you to carry a weapon. But if... And when you choose a weapon, you have to train with that weapon. And you have to keep it sharp and take care of it. And no decorative weapons, because the things that you order, you know, online, like the katanas for display, you know, they're art. They're not 
weapons. So you have to make sure that you don't have some kind of, you know, decorative remade weapon. But you want to tell us a little about some of the choices we have? <sighs> We're assuming in this case that you have to either smash a zombie's head, stab a zombie's head, shoot a zombie's head. Some way you have to have some sort of force that, you know, smashes their brains. <laughs> right. Destroy the brain. Yeah. Sever the head, destroy the brain. That's what they say, right? Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the weapon thing, the, yeah, make sure that if you have some kind of bladed weapon, it's full tang. Not where the blade is just kind of super glued onto the end of the handle mm-hmm. <laughs> so that it'll look good over your mantle, but that it's real and can be used because that's a problem that I have with a lot of, like, zombie shows or really, like, a lot of suspense, horror, and thriller type stuff is where people just grab what's clearly like a decorative weapon and try to use it. Yeah, it's and like, it works. It's not going to work. On the- <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to work unless you spend a lot of money on that. Right. Ow. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a katana, which is basically considered the perfect weapon in the world, you're going to have to train on it. And yeah, you're looking at an expensive item. It's not going to be something that's a hundred bucks. You're probably looking at like five hundred dollars for a a decent, you know, katana. And then you still have to practice. But yeah, for my money, I mean, you have bludgeoning weapons, you have bats, maces, things like that. But I think I would focus on the stuff that you have because this mm-hmm. is all for fun. This is a hypothetical zombie thing. Mm-hmm. I think my perfect weapon would probably be probably just a bat. Mm. I've got a couple like really old like wooden baseball bats that I've had for a long time mm. that they just they they just survive. Yeah. They've just been around forever. <laughs> like I mean cuz a sword could get stuck, a sword can get dull. Mm. I mean I do think a sword would be useful to have, but I mean, you don't have to reload a bat. You don't have to sharpen a bat. Hmm, that's true. You can probably find more of them around. It's relatively light. It's uh, a pretty decent weapon. I would probably avoid things like mace, mace and tasers and stuff like that. Because, And I'm, when I'm saying mace, I'm talking like the spiked weapon. Right. But probably like the pepper spray too, because I doubt that's going to do any good with a zombie. But it might help you with other survivors. Yeah. Might. I, I mean, I feel like... The message of Walking Dead, at least for however long I watched it, is like the real threat is people. Mm-hmm. Like in a zombie apocalypse, the thing you have to watch out for is other people. Yeah. I think for my money, I'm going with a machete, a real good machete, because, yeah, you can sharpen them. I mean, you can sharpen them on stones you find in a creek. They serve multiple purposes. You can use a machete to chop down small trees even and, you know, make some sort of shelter if you need to. And I think if I had a good machete, I would probably name it uh, Danny Trejo or Trejo instead of Lucille. (laughs) But I'm going machete for my money. And yeah, totally, I think mace is a waste of time just in general because you're, I mean, even if you're carrying it right now, if you're in a stiff wind, you're going to get mace too. So true. It's yeah. My, I mean, Kim works in a medical facility mm-hmm. and she recently heard a story about, you know, a mace being used in a particular situation where it probably shouldn't have been. Uh-huh. And it wound up, you know, there were kids around and other people and yeah. everybody yeah. got messed up by it. It's, yeah. it's, you don't want to mess around with it. It's not like in the movies where you're, 
you get sprayed by it and then you're like oh god for a few seconds and you wipe your eyes and you're cool again and then you just have like a little bit of redness around your eyes like it's incapacitating it's bad yeah like little kids can be sent to the hospital for that kind of thing I mean adults will be too but I mean like you can just do it near right somebody who's especially sensitive to it and mess them up so it's probably better to not even do it yeah and it's not going to work on a zombie you're going to be you know on the ground writhing in pain and then they're going to come and just tear your body apart so yeah power tools uh, I mean that's cool for the movies I guess do you want to carry a gas chainsaw and some you know a little uh, what do they call those jimmy cans or whatever with some extra jerry fuel can. yeah jerry can with some extra extra fuel in it probably not um, they're kind of a waste I mean yeah if if there's a chainsaw right next to you you know you're at Lowe's and you're getting attacked by zombies bust out the chainsaw but yeah uh, power tools are kind of a joke but bow and a crossbow uh, those would be useful for a lot of things I think having a a bow and or a crossbow would be something that would be good because you could use them to hunt too but you know we see in some of these episodes of like the walking dead where the zombies are walking up and the people are you know just just whipping off arrow after arrow and you know they never break they're always able to be recovered and shot again and that's just not reality what about throwing weapons besides (sighs) besides grenades because grenades would be a lot of fun for zombies you know just (laughs) no we're we're all right here in this little area just come in and oh Nope, we got a grenade for that ass. What else could we use, though? <laughs> for that ass. <laughs> um, oh, man, throwing weapons. I, I don't know if I would mess with throwing weapons really at all. I wouldn't either. I don't think I would. I A bat, some kind of good bludgeoning weapon that's not going to get stuck, that's not going to require a lot of maintenance, is the way to go. I think that if you throw something, you're throwing it into zombies, and then you got to go get it from where the zombies are. And you have to finish off all the zombies to be able to use it again. And again, it's going to blunt. and It's going to have all these problems. And how many people, you know who you are. You go out there to these axe throwing things and you're able to hit, you know, a target that's 15 feet away, you know, soft wood or whatever. And you hit it one out of 10 times, right? Come on. You're not going to be able to hit a bobbing and weaving walking zombie 30 yards away with the throwing axe like they show in the movies. It's not going to happen. So even thinking that way is probably just going to get you in trouble. It's going to, you're going to be carrying something that's extra weight that you're going to, like you said, what are you going to do? You hit one zombie, then you're going to run into the pile and grab it and hit other zombies. That's TV show stuff. We're talking fake reality here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. What about guns? Uh, I like that. Um, handgun for sure, if you have it. Handgun would be handy just to have it anyway. Yeah. No pun intended. But I think for the specific purposes of fighting a zombie, I think a shotgun's the only way to go. Yeah, I think a shotgun is the only reasonable way to do it because you're going to miss. You're going to be running. You're going to be panicking. Mm-hmm. You need something that's going to, you know, where you're not relying on a single point that's only a couple millimeters across. A little bit more user friendly. And you can yeah, use. Yeah, a lot, a lot more forgiving. Yeah. 
and you can use shotguns to hunt too. You can use shotguns to hunt a lot of things, but uh, a rifle would be great for hunting purposes. And it would also be great, you know, we've seen in like Walking Dead where somebody is, you know, like on top of a building that's got people sniped out, uh, you know, in trees and, and stuff like that. But if you are being attacked by a horde of zombies, your rifle is probably going to turn into a bludgeoning weapon pretty quick. Oh. So there's that. What about some of the accessories you can get for specifically rifles, but I guess for handguns too, like a silencer, suppressor, scope, anything like that. Are, are those worth carrying around with you? Probably not. A scope maybe. Yeah. Probably not anything else. Because the suppressor is just going to make it a little bit less loud, but it's not going to... It won't make it that a zombie won't hear a gunshot. Yeah, it's not going to sound like it does like an arrow in TV. pew, pew, like a little... Although that would be cool. You brought up the point that you think they could make them quiet if they wanted to, right? Um, yeah, I think they could. I 100% think that it's possible because I've seen... I think it was the same guy who made the Mosin Nagant... Okay. You know, which is a Russian rifle. I've got one. Yeah. There, I've ever probably half the people listening to this have one. They're super common. But there was a revolver that I think it was the same designer came up with. Where, like, normally there's a gap between the cylinder and the barrel. Oh. Uh huh. But on this one, when it loads around into place, that that cylinder pushes up against the barrel. Okay. And it doesn't really allow any blowback. Hmm. And there's a certain kind of suppressor that I've seen videos of people fitting to these things where it really is almost totally silent. Like the most you're going to hear is, well, what you would still hear is the sonic, uh, like the sound of it, of it basically breaking the sound barrier. Yeah. Unless you're using subsonic rounds with something like that. But anyway, it just seems logical that you probably don't want the general public to have access yeah. To things like that. You want you want anybody using a gun to announce where they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a very handy thing if you're trying to find somebody using a gun for criminal activities. Absolutely. And I mean, when we're talking reality, you can go into, you know, any sporting goods store and grab a scope, no problem. But if you want a silencer slash suppressor, you're talking about like a thousand dollar ticket purchase you have to be vetted by you know atf and they you literally basically they can come to your house anytime they want over the course of this entire uh length of this document you know I, i suppose that you could probably turn them into like law enforcement and they could get you taken off that list or whatever but if you get one of these things the feds can just knock on your door and be like, show us the suppressor because you have to be able to prove that you still have it, that it's not being sold to, you know, cartel members and stuff like that. And then you have these things that are being sold. Now I see as fuel filters. Don't, Mm. it's not a joke, (laughs) right? It's not something like, Oh, if your silencer totally fucks up, you'll still be fine. You're messing with a gun. You need items that were specifically designed for that weapon. And 
if, if you're not getting that, it's not safe. And if your own gun isn't safe to use, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. All right. Explosives. We talked about grenades. That would be fun. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably, I, like I've never seen a grenade in real life. So finding grenades to use in the zombie apocalypse may be a problem. But Yeah, I've... I have seen and held grenades in real life, but mm. I—they're heavy, man. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Like they're—they're they're a lot heavier than you would think because it's not the explosion that does the damage; it's the casing around it. Like right. Those old pineapple grenades from World War II that everybody's familiar with, and you can buy as like souvenirs ones that have been hollowed out. Uh-huh. It's those chunks of metal that do the damage. Right. And. Yeah, they're not light. I would not. I would not mess with them. I think it presents way too easy of an opportunity for. I mean, either you're going to fumble with them and not be able to get them, or you're going to have them mounted on like a belt or some kind of strap, and you're going to pull the pin by accident and. Well, and yourself up. Do you want to carry around a bunch of five pound weights? I mean, right, essentially, yeah, that's not. what you're doing, and depending on what kind of terrain you're in. I mean, if you're in the forest, are you going to try and throw a grenade? No, no, Hell no. no, It's going to hit a branch and fall right back in front of you and blow you up. Yeah, and I should clarify, I've held them. I have not used them. (laughs) Yeah. What what about uh, dynamite, C4, stuff like that? Would you even mess with carrying no. something like that around no and i don't i don't think it's realistic you wouldn't be able to find it probably anyway if you had access to it maybe honestly i think what would be useful if you could get it would be something i see in a lot of zombie materials is like uh, a perimeter where they will use traps like landmines and things like that they'll yeah. either improvise them or somehow get a hold of real ones that would be something useful if you're setting up a, a permanent residence which i know we're getting into soon mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know that I would mess with them. The one thing that I would do, probably, that I just thought of because I watched John Wick 4, mm-hmm. is motion sensors. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a scene in the movie, there's a blind character, mm-hmm. and he's hiding in this particular spot, and he's, like, strategizing, but I didn't know what he was doing. He was sticking these, like, magnetic things, these little white boxes mm-hmm. on surfaces, and then when the, the bad guys start walking in, they make the same noise it makes when you walk into a store. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. They're the, these little things where if you walk in front of them, they make a noise. And that's how he knew like when these people were coming in and what was happening. Yeah. And something like that that's battery powered would be super useful to just like stick those around a campsite or something like that. Well, and I think they would be cheap and light, too. That would make a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, for sure. Because you can buy that kind of stuff at like hardware stores. Yeah, absolutely. For explosives, I mean, you can you can make black powder pretty easy and pretty cheap. And I think that may be something that you could look into if you were defending a, a position like a factory or a retail store, something like that. But it's not something like I don't think you're going to want to carry a bunch of black powder around with you either but so yeah I'm saying no on explosives I, I don't think they're necessary and I think in reality you could make you could make like zombie perimeter type stuff out of just having like 
basically like caltrips made out of like sharpened wooden spikes. They're not going to, you know, try and figure out a way to get through it. They're just going to walk and they're going to walk right onto this metal spike and or this uh, wooden spike, sorry, and get stuck. Ah. What about armor? You're going to walk around dressed like a knight, Sir Ryan of No, probably not. No, I think that just that just makes it a more satisfying experience for the zombie to crack us open like like lobster, <laughs> and uh, get get the juicy the juicy bits out. Nice. I feel like if they're that close to you, you're just delaying the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a gauntlet or something. I mean, I think the main thing is having a way to repel a zombie if it's really close to you. So having some kind of gauntlet or bracer on. Yeah. Or you can like push away but having the full armor I'm not sure would do you much good it's going to make you a lot heavier uh, it's going to make you a lot hotter or yeah. it's going to make you a lot colder depending on what the weather is because I'm pretty I mean metals are pretty thermally conductive material yeah yeah it's well, going what about to you? what do you think and well I mean that would totally eliminate your ability to fight too I mean if you're on horseback and you're just holding a lance that's one thing but if you have to get out and like fist fight with people and you're like the tin man it's not going to not going to happen very well for you but mm-hmm. uh yeah the gauntlet like the metal piece over like your offhand forearm like i'm right-handed so i would have like the machete in my right hand and then like my left forearm and possibly my hand would be like in what is essentially a metal type glove where they i can kind of hold my hand up and chop them as they're coming at me trying to bite me shark suits are kind of cool uh, might be a I, I don't know how heavy they are or anything but they're, they're supposed to be bite resistant but I don't know it's <laughs> how many times are you going to come across a shark suit so uh, helmets eh, they would be helpful in fights against other humans uh, Kevlar is great for stopping you know small caliber handgun fire uh, it's not going to stop a, a sharp knife if you're fighting a person but i mean zombies rarely start with your you know chest and abdomen they normally would start i would think on your arms and legs uh so we'll talk about prepping some residences after a quick break Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. So we're going to talk about prepping your residence. You've got a house in the suburbs. What do you got to do? Board it up. Mm-hmm. you got to board it up. You have to find a way to make it secure. Like, maybe don't stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> maybe find another house to hide out in. You know, I have a neighbor who has, like, a nice heavy-duty front door mm-hmm. and then really thin windows right on either side of it. Yeah. Or if you didn't want to deal with a heavy door, you just take the lightest little hammer or one of the rocks from her garden and just toss it through and reach in and unlock it. Oh, you've thought about this. I mean, yeah, I have thought about it because there was a point where she she asked me for help, like, setting up some security stuff. I thought you were going to say there was a point where she pissed me off. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's like, you know, these windows are like maybe, maybe not great Mm -hmm. if security is a concern for you. Yeah. But... 
Yeah, make sure that you're aware of the weaknesses. Make sure that you're aware of all the ways you can get in and out. So board up windows like that. Hurricane proof your house. Yeah, basically, basically, that's right. My my grandparents lived in Tampa for a long time and basically following the same thing that they would do to get their house ready for a hurricane when they had to get out would be great because they never they never had a problem. They had these uh like awnings, metal awnings that would come down over the windows. Mm-hmm. Almost like shutters, but like a more modern sort of version. Sure. But yeah, just being able to nail everything down make the house pretty much impenetrable have some escape routes um apartments you don't want to be in an apartment trust me probably not there's a lot of space that you can't control there even just leaving it would be rough because the rest of the building you know could be infested your neighbors could be zombies and you could be trying to go out the front door or you know the one back door and there's a horde of zombies and you're trapped (sighs) so a yacht would be great that would be my ultimate, like, boom. You just have a sailboat. You sail around to, you know, islands without people. You collect coconuts and coconut crabs. And, you know, you get shark steaks for dinner and stuff like that. But that's that's not reality, most likely. But a yacht or a houseboat would be really fun. You want to talk about supplies? <laughs> We're just going to roll through these supplies. (laughs) You guys can go back through this and you can, you know, play it at half speed or whatever. So you can write down everything you're going to need. But we're just going to go through. We're going to roll through this list. So be prepared to write stuff down. Take notes so you can know what you need. All right. Start us off. All right. Ammo. Always need more ammo. Or whatever it is you're carrying. Yeah. I mean... The ammo's going to be money, too. So, for sure. Even if you don't have, you know, a 30-30, if you find a box of ammo, grab it. Maybe someone else in your group does. Maybe someone in another group does, and they have, you know, 100 rounds and 9 millimeter. They'll trade you for 30 rounds of 30-30. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. You have to purify water. So... Don't assume that your faucets are going to work because when everyone dies eventually or goes zombie on that ass, oh. everything's going to stop working. It's not like Steve down at the water purification plant is going to be like, well, I mean, I am a zombie, but I've got to continue with my job. So you're not going to have clean water unless you have access to a well or a spring. So you need to have like a rain barrel uh, life straw that you can drink out of, you know, filthy water if you have to. And you're going to need like metal water containers like canteens or whatever that you can throw in a fire and boil and get that delicious, nasty water that you need. What else should you bring? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, fishing gear, canned food, things that'll help you eat. You know, things teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime, that sort of thing. Canned food tends to keep for a long time, and not forever, necessarily. You have to store it in the right conditions, but you'll be able to eat it for a long time. Yeah, f- fishing gear, if you can get just a small kit. I mean, people handline fish around the world. You don't need a pole. You need a lot of string, and you're going to need probably a good supply of hooks 
because that's not something that you can necessarily just, you know, you see guys on survival shows that are like, oh, I just make this little trap with this hook that'll, you know, spring up when the fish bites it and stuff. Yeah, you need fishing hooks. You're probably not going to be, you know, capable of doing that. And canned food in your house is great. Hard to travel with, but what can you do? Medical kit. When we say medical kit, we do not mean first aid. You're going to need something that can handle gunshots. So something that has like trauma pads. You're going to want the ability to stitch up a wound if you have to. And while we're on this, you probably, as bad as this sounds, you're going to want something that you can use if you have to like cauterize a wound. So if there's antibiotics or antibiotic ointment, stuff like that, you're going to want that in there too. But how are you going to get power? Uh, Generators. Got it. There are a lot of different types of generators that you can get. They have pedal powered ones, like cranked ones. There are little solar power chargers and things like that that would be useful mm-hmm. in a lot of situations. Although solar panels do not work forever. There is a sort of a lifespan to their usefulness, which is kind of a problem just as a side note with solar roofs and things like that. Normally by the time you pay those off, mm-hmm. those are producing maybe half, maybe 20% of the power they originally were, mm-hmm. just assuming regular degradation over time, although they're probably improving. But yeah, that was a long side note. <laughs> <laughs> Generators, some way to produce power. If you can find some way particularly to turn mechanical movement into electricity, that would be the best way because you'll always be able to find wind or running water or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Rechargeable radios. So I have a flashlight radio that has a crank on it. It's kind of a junky one, but, you know, it's not meant to be lasting for the apocalypse. It's meant to get you through this one time where you're lost in the woods or whatever. So it's, you know, it's great, but it's not something that's going to last forever. And you're not going to need power for your computer or your cell phones, or your TVs, or anything like that, because it's not gonna matter, because the grid's gonna fall eventually. You're gonna need flashlights. Uh, You don't want the old cop mag lights that are 30 pounds. I would invest in a really nice, tiny little flashlight that's waterproof, and you can adjust the uh, light on, so you can adjust it for further away, closer up, whatever. Batteries are going to be, you know, just like ammunition, basically. So if you find batteries, those are worth picking up. Uh, What about tools? What kind of tools would you want in your kit? Because you're going to need, you know, at least a few things. I mean, for the sake of staying light, probably hand tools, Uh pretty basic stuff. Hammers, screwdrivers... Um, multi tools. Yeah, multi tool. Yeah, yeah. Like a, I carry a Gerber multi tool because mm-hmm. it's just super handy. There's always some. It seems like there's always something in it I can use, yeah. even if it's just a bottle opener. Because I buy a bottle of Mexican Coke and I forget that it's not twist off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might run into that in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> that might be like you an anti theft thing. Yeah, you run into a store and it's like, oh, the only thing left are the pry-off bottles because nobody else thought to bring a bottle opener. Yeah. (laughs) Well, one thing I would suggest for sure, at least in your group, 
is a good set of bolt cutters because they will get you into and out of places that you just can't get into and out of with even like a hammer and a, a wedge or something like that. So a good pair of bolt cutters, at least in your group. You know, not everybody has to have one, but, you know, having one or two in your group is going to be good. Uh, flares and light sticks. So these are always good to have. If, if you have trouble lighting a fire, you're going to want to learn how to make fire too. But a flare will be a really good way to start a fire if you need to. And then the light sticks, I mean, you just never know where you, you could end up in a building. You know, it's got no lights in it. Well, you have to throw light sticks down to figure your way back out. So those are good. Fire extinguishers for your house. That's You should always have that. So what kind of books would you bring along? Oh, books. Hardy Boys. Hmm. No, 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 no. Hardy Boys. I like a good mystery book, and I liked the Hardy Boys when I was a kid, so that, that'd probably do for me. It's an interesting question. <laughs> well, I was thinking more on... Uh, manuals on how to fix the stuff that you have so like a good you know book on how to fix your generator uh, books on identifying medicinal and edible plants in whatever area you're going to be in and books on things like how do I make black powder how do I build something to purify water how do I build you know, the most efficient greenhouse. Stuff like that, off-the-grid books are going to be something that you'll want to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be able to have a lot more at your house or your camp than you are when you're out scouting or whatever. Yeah, but having, you know, a religious book, whatever your choice is, that would be something that would be smart to bring along. And then, yeah, some uh, books for entertainment, too. Why not? But is your toilet going to work? Hmm. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, you would need water running, too. Theoretically, if you have a rain barrel, you get water out of that and put it in the top of your toilet, you can still flush it, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And if you were in a place where water is being fed by a water tower, it would work for a while. Mm -hmm. But that water, you know, with no system to pump water back up to the tower... It would be a limited time, but if you're the only one left, yeah. you might not have to. You might not have to worry about that for a little bit. It's the only good part of being the last human is, uh, yeah, your shitter works long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your shitter, shitter works long. <laughs> All right. So having a garden is always a good idea. You guys can save a ton of money on produce and all kinds of great stuff come from you know, having a home garden, just getting your hands in the soil, you know, you're getting things that you don't have to have pesticide and fertilizer and stuff on. So having a garden is a great idea. And it's a better idea in Florida than it is in Canada. But, you know, that's where you learn how to build your greenhouse. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to have people on patrol or guard. So, you know, you don't want everybody sleeping at the same time having a a person up in a high spot where they can they can see for wherever you need to see if you're in a neighborhood you know you're not going to be able to see that far but if you're on a farm you'll be able to start picking them off from far away let's talk about 
dead bodies. You want to tell us about dead bodies? Sure. So, in a zombie apocalypse, it's very important to be aware of your dead. Whether that's people in your own party or the zombies themselves. Don't just leave them sitting there. Don't just leave them lying there. You know, they there are a lot of problems other than there being zombies. Because you never know if they're going to get back up and do something. Because that's something that can happen in zombie movies that creates a really suspenseful moment but the other part of it is disease or attracting predators other than zombies because they're still going to be you know mountain lions bears whatever else is in your area out there and they're probably going to do better with zombies than they do with just regular humans running around being sure to bury or burn is probably your best bet then making sure that you stay in shape some kind of shape other than round like me (laughs) is going to be really important and will probably be you know a non-optional component of living through a zombie apocalypse if you make it you're probably going to be end up in pretty good shape even if you didn't start that way because you got to be able to quickly get on the move and with all the stuff that we've been talking about you're going to be carrying a pretty heavy load anywhere you go if you take all of our advice and you have tons of ammo and landmines and (laughs) fire extinguishers and things like that Uh, but I'm sure we can talk about some kind of more minimalist build out or load out or whatever term you want to use for it in a little while alright so yeah we kind of already talked about the entertainment yeah bring some cards books games you know have some stuff at your house and yeah you're going to want escape routes for sure. Everywhere you go, you want at least two. And it would probably be smart for you to look at these escape routes and say, okay, what am I going to do if it's humans? And what am I going to do if it's zombies? Because it could be either. And then, yeah, we talked a little bit about office buildings, apartments, schools, hospitals, cop shops, churches, retail stores, grocery stores, malls, warehouses you're going to eventually probably have to you know go out and collect stuff so i would think that grocery stores would be a great spot to encounter other humans that you're going to have to fight with Um, getting i mean if you could get into a police station like you know we're talking deep into the apocalypse a little bit but you know if you can get to their weapons and the stuff that they have in lockup like the evidence locker i mean you know you could go into an evidence locker and find 10 pounds of weed and all of a sudden that becomes what you can barter with too you could find all kinds of ammo you could find um you know i would think they would be a place that you could secure pretty easily too but i mean you find maps you find communication one thing that we didn't have in here but would be smart to have would be radios between you know your group and then you could pick up others conversations too to find out what's going on out there but so when it comes to military complexes prisons and offshore oil rigs i don't know how long you could last on an oil rig but It would be really hard for zombies to get there. I think a prison would be a great place in the zombie apocalypse, of course, because they're very secure. 
and they probably have a lot of resources stacked up in case of a a situation, you know, an emergency situation in a prison. And there's fencing and razor wire and weapons and guard towers and just it seems like the perfect place to survive the zombie apocalypse as long as there's not a lot of prisoners left in there. And then a military complex, obviously, would be fantastic as well. But let's say we're going on the run. One goal, escape. After you escape, you need to establish a destination and plan the journey because you're not going to be able to, your house isn't going to be safe forever and you need to get in shape. We all, we all should be trying to get in shape anyway, but if you can't swim, you better learn. You're going to avoid large groups because they're easier to box in. There could be zombies in the midst. You're going to want to train your group so everybody is a zombie killer. You want to remain mobile. You don't want to. Well, be- I think a, I, I mean, I don't want to say that we need to move faster and then stop you, but <laughs> I think the large groups thing is good because I feel like people are a huge hazard mm. in a lot of situations. I mean, like anytime there's like a riot or people get trampled or whatever, it's usually because like a large group of people freaked out and started moving all at once. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of avoid that panicked crowd mentality. Right. Right. Anyway, go on. All right. So you're going to re- want to remain mobile. You're not going to want to be too tied down. You're going to want to be invisible. You you know, don't wear bright colors. Wear some camouflage. You're going to not want to be, you know, bumping your ghetto blaster when you're strolling through the woods. And you're going to have to be aware because not every zombie is going to be, you know, screaming brains and stomping through the woods. They could just be, you know, maybe they're uh, not able to make any noise at all. So you're going to have to be able to... You know, be aware. They'll walk right out of a tree and grab you. Don't forget to sleep. Sweet dreams. Uh, you don't want to be too overtired. You don't want too many overt signals. So if you can find a way to communicate with your group with code words, stuff like that, you're, you're not going to want to just, hey, we're going to just listen for the gunfire. Follow the gunfire and you'll find our group. And avoid urban areas because it's easy to get trapped in urban areas. Uh, So we're going on to traveling. This is going to be kind of a list of stuff for you to take when you're traveling. Do you want to roll through these? Yeah. So a backpack, preferably something waterproof and pretty sturdy. You don't want to grab like your kids cheap Mm-hmm. fashionable backpack that you got from Target or whatever you want something more for Brains. camping or maybe even from a military surplus store mm-hmm. you want good boots and socks because yeah. you want to be able to have traction you want to be able to keep your feet warm and dry you need a canteen to carry water with you and you need some way to purify water when you're on the move you need some ability to start a fire for cooking for warmth for Brains. sanitizing your tools there's a you know, tons of reasons to have fire. So that can be matches, lighters, ferro rods. Uh, Chap- <laughs> Chapstick is extremely flammable. And if you know you're going to be going out, this is just for camping or anything, grab a bunch of dryer lint. You can hit 
put some chapstick on some dryer lint and hit it with a spark and you'll have a flame in no time. Yeah, or rabbit fur. <laughs> Whatever, Kim and I clean up all the rabbit fur and stuff like okay. that. I'll just stick a lot of it in the, uh, we have a little burn pile out back for, you know, branches fall all the time, stuff like that. But it makes a good fire starter. And a delicious dinner. <laughs> well, we don't burn the rabbits. Just oh, okay. we, we remove the fur from the rabbits okay. first. Uh, <laughs> a map and a compass. GPS isn't going to work. It's going to be important to know where you're going, where you're like, what direction you're headed. And especially as like seasons start to become more of an issue, you don't mm-hmm. want to realize that you've been wandering into Maine and then winter hits and there's three right. feet of snow every day. Uh, flashlight and batteries, as we said before, poncho, you know, things like that that can keep you warm. Um, a signal mirror, this is one of your items. What do you mean by that? So a signal mirror can be something that, say, your group is on one mountainside and you're across the valley on the other. You can hit them with some flashes that say, like, I'm here. You could uh, hit them with, you know, say, five quick flashes means it's all clear stuff like that and it's a silent way to communicate and it's something that you can easily set up your own communication it's not something that can be easily deciphered by others unless you use like morse code with it or something like that but you're going to want a sleeping bag because it's going to get cold and the ground's going to be hard you're going to want sunglasses uh, and i know that that sounds like a luxury maybe but if you're outside all day every day and especially in if you're in like snow you're going to need sunglasses mm-hmm. you're going to want want that first aid kit you're going to want a multi-tool and fixed blade knife or machete knife hybrid the fixed blade knife is important everyone should have a fixed blade knife a, a decent one for when they go camping or anything binoculars you're going to want to be able to see far away. So good binoculars would be very important. And it's not going to be something that everyone's going to have. It's going to be, you know, you maybe have one or two in your group because they are big and bulky and heavy unless you have like some new badass binoculars, you know, from the Batcave or something. So uh, obviously the firearms, the ammo and a cleaning kit. You cannot just fire your weapon nonstop and not clean it. Uh, flares we talked about. Rope and a grappling hook. Hey, you never know. You might need to get into a place that you can open up for your group, like a prison or something like that. And if you don't have it, you need it. Extra fishing gear, animal traps, mess gear, meaning like cooking stuff, and then bolt cutters. So those are things you're going to want to travel with. Let's talk about the vehicles real quick. What good is a sedan or a coupe? Yeah, a sedan or a coupe, depending on the brand, is probably not going to be very helpful. Yeah. It might not be so bad if it's, uh, you know, an Audi or a Subaru or something like that that's likely to have all-wheel drive, but, you know, you're not going to have roads that are maintained I mean, where Kim's family is from, northern Illinois, mm-hmm. one winter and those roads are messed up. Yeah. So if humans are absent for really any length of time, you should just assume roads are going to be almost unusable. Yeah. I mean, they'll still be a decent path, but you're going to need something with a little bit more ground clearance. So an SUV or a pickup is probably the way to go. But again, 
you got to be you got to strike a balance between size and efficiency and things like that because you're not going to be able to stop and fuel up as often as you want to yeah and availability i mean if you have your own thing that's fine but you might be two miles down the highway and everything is completely blocked off and you can't even get a humvee through because you're not rolling over parked cars in a humvee you know what i mean so unless you're out there in gravedigger or something uh you should assume that you're going to end up on foot eventually in a a bus an armored car an rv i mean that that might be cool but in reality you know are you going to be able to even like if you're on the highway and all the lanes are blocked (laughs) you're going to drive an rv on the shoulder you might be able to do that but if you get off into the grass i mean you're going to get stuck just in grass it's not like you know it's going to take a river to get your rv stuck so motorcycle atv side by side dune buggy those would all be cool motorcycle maybe not so much you know if you're with a group or or whatever maybe having one or two for scouting missions would be cool but yeah or like an enduro type where it's kind of a hybrid between mm-hmm. a street bike and a and a dirt bike. Mm-hmm. That's probably <clears throat> more what you'd want so you can take advantage of flat straightaways but still be able to navigate. Um, but yeah, then... Uh, I mean, it's important to have things to fix your vehicle with. You know, emergency supplies. So it's going to be important to have things like tire patches, air pumps, spare tires, jumper cables... You can find the Haynes manual for that vehicle. That would be useful to have. Yeah. Not going to be able to look up on YouTube how to fix things. Mm-hmm. Get as much fuel as you can have. A CB radio would be useful to have in it. Uh, jack. A lot of cars are going to have a jack in them for changing tires and things like that. But having that is important because you are now your own mechanic and you need to yeah. be mobile. Well, and you need to be able to... If you come across another vehicle, like if you get a flat tire and you find another S10 down the road, you're going to need a, a way to get, jack that up and get the uh, wheel off. And, and whoever owned that may have taken that to go try and harvest something else. So you never know. Great. Let's have a horse. That would be awesome. I would love to I think have a horse. One. I think a horse would be ideal. If you had a group, mm-hmm. I mean, really just have somebody who's in charge of the horses. Yeah. Essentially, you want stables. You want, you want to have horses as a renewable source of transportation. You want to have like a breeding population pretty much. Well, and or at it, least I would think if you're trying to rebuild society and be functional. And I mean, I know people love horses and they're going to hate to hear this, but you got to eat. So there's that. Um, and you can always just, you know, use your horse meat to make a Jack in the Box taco because that's apparently what they used at one point. Just kidding, Jack in the Box. Don't sue us. A bike would be good, a mountain bike, preferably, probably yeah. for scouting purposes, stuff like that. You can, you know, you can use a bike if somebody has like a leg injury or something where they can kind of sit on the seat and like push with their good leg while their other leg's up, something like that. But there's all kinds of terrain. We've got forest, which is what we have here in Missouri, which is where I would be bugging out. So, you know, you want to be familiar with your terrain. There's a lot of resources in the forest too, but when you get to the desert, number one thing, you have to know how to find water because you might be able to find some food. You might be able to, you know, get a 
rabbit or you know even a coyote or something like that but you're going to need a way to get water and then the plains and keep in mind too as you're going a forest is great your ranger 4x4 isn't going to be able to go everywhere that you can go on foot so you know there's that problem too and in the desert you know if you're off-road you're going to need something that can handle the desert environment so an rv yeah it looked great in uh breaking bad but probably not ideal for traversing the desert and then you've got plains where you could have you know grass that's super thick and six foot tall and there's not a lot of vehicles that are going to be going through you know plains either like they're nothing what about the mountains Mountains would be probably pretty rough. Mm-hmm. There are still going to be wild predators in the mountains. There are probably going to be other people there. It's It might be a good place to find sort of a hideout. Yeah. To, to kind of get entrenched somewhere. But it also seems like it could be a pretty dangerous place to get stuck. Yeah. Uh, same with the swamp. If you go into the swamp, that's probably a good way to try to like limit the mobility of... The zombies that are after you, but there's you really gators. don't want to get stuck there. Yeah, there's there's other natural predators there. There's disease. There's bugs. Uh, similar with the jungle, and I'm skipping ahead a little, a little bit, but jungles are going to have a lot of natural predators. That's going to have more sources for water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to have more sources of food because if you're in a jungle type environment, you're going to have you know vegetation. You're going to have fruits and things like that that are growing, but you're also going to have Insects, venomous or poisonous creatures. And in the tundra, if you could survive it, the tundra is probably the safest place because a zombie will freeze. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there are a lot of places where they could decompose faster, but like a tundra for sure is going to stop them. But it's also like the least hospitable place. Right, right. There's, There's virtually no chance of finding food or water there without exposing yourself to extreme risk. The islands might be nice, you know, if you can get to one or you're on one, you could eventually clear, you know, like it would be easier to clear, say, uh, Maui of walkers than it would be the Midwest, right? So, I mean, you could probably get back to a normal society quicker there, but... And then the beach is beautiful. Everybody loves the beach, but there's also poisonous and venomous stuff there. So learn what you can and cannot eat. We'll give you attack tips after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Attack! Never go on attack solo. Never. Because someone's got to have your back. You got to keep disciplined. You have to stay alert. And if you have a guide, there's several people that you could get in your group that would be essential. If there is a way that you could get an MD, a doctor in your group, or God willing, a trauma surgeon, those people are going to be probably kidnapped and held hostage and made to uh, work on people. But um, not by me, 
but by the bad guys out there. Of course there. not. Yeah, right, right. And the same if you have like an accomplished hunter or, you know, outdoorsman or guide for the specific area that you're in, that would be fantastic too. Uh, you want to let the zombies come to you. You want to conserve energy as much as you can. Uh, what should you do if you're gonna if you're gonna like breach a place, like go into a store or you know a building? What should you do? I was gonna breach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if yeah. you're like you're so you find this place, okay? You want to check it out. What's inside? What's the first thing you do? I'm gonna make some kind of noise to to see what's in there. Well, first I would listen. Yeah. First rule of D and D. When you come up to a door, you listen at the door. Mm-hmm. See if you can hear anything. Uh, and then if you don't hear anything, make some noise. See if you hear something. Yeah. And then try to distinguish whether that's a person or not. I, not not that either one's necessarily going to be better than the other, but it's going to let you know what your strategy is going to be going forward. Mm-hmm. So knock on doors, you know, kind of bang on stuff. You know, try to get the attention of a zombie if it's there and let them come to you so you can take them out, especially if you're on the exterior of that building. Mm-hmm. Right? All good strategies for any zombie video games you're going to play. Get them to come to you and meet you where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Be thorough when you're clearing an area. Don't just assume you got them all when they stop showing up. Yeah. Maintain communication with whoever else you're in that area with. If you're clearing a building, if it's me and you, we need to make sure that we're talking to each other and not just suddenly realize, like, I haven't heard from Jay in like seven minutes. Yeah. I think a Hope rider that's not guy. a problem. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And then listen. And Make sure that you don't hear movement from them. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's 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 one of the rules. I mean, that was one of the big things when me and my friends were all into Left for Dead. Mm-hmm. Listening. Because you can hear. You can hear them. Yeah. Because they're not trying to be quiet. They're not conscious of it. They're just moving around doing their thing. You can hear them shuffle. Yeah. I mean, their strength is in numbers. Your strength is in your brain. So use it. Uh, You've got to dispose of the dead zombie or human because they're going to rot and be awful and disgusting. And you may have to shoot a friend in the head or chop their head off because they've turned into a zombie. So that's a trauma you're going to have to be prepared for. As far as strategies go, we're talking lure and destroy. Of course, if you can get them, like you said, to fight on your terms where you want to do it, you can limit, you know, like a a bottleneck to where only two or three can get through at a time. That would be perfect. Uh, You're going to barricade everything that you can. So it just makes it more difficult, which gives you time because when you're outnumbered by a weaker opponent and extremely fragile, weaker opponent like a zombie, you can get them to, again, kind of bottleneck at a place and, and fight at your pace instead of being overwhelmed. Tower would be nice so you can see a cage. Yeah, man, that's tough because once you lock yourself in a cage, it's kind of almost a matter of time unless you have a way to kill the zombies outside uh, or you're waiting for your group to come back, perhaps, or come look for you. Uh, car stampede, that's the fun one. That's where you get, uh, you know, a, 
jacked up diesel pickup that's got a 10 inch lift kit and 44 inch mutters on it and you just roll through a group of zombies and then you have the motorized suite where you kind of use cars to you know push them into the position you want set up for your homies to be chopping them up or shooting them down or even setting them on fire because even though fire won't necessarily kill the zombie if it burns them to ashes you don't really have to worry about it and then the firestorm which would also be fun with you know flamethrowers or any kind of explosives that you may have around or available so what about living well i wanted to go on to something else actually okay since we went through this huge long list, mm-hmm. just in case there's parts of it you want to cut out, I thought it might be good for us each to talk about like our personal like kit. Okay. What we would have. Like if we were choosing, like I am going out totally alone. Uh-huh. Like what am I going to have? All right. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Because yeah. I think we should choose things from not necessarily every category that we've talked about, but like what would your plan be? All right, so my kit. Um, Well, first of all, I have the books that I've talked to you guys about. I have the weapons that we've talked about. I don't have a ton of ammunition, but I think at least in the beginning, I would take my 308 with as much ammo as I can, my 9mm, and then I would try and find a way. I just have a crappy breakdown shotgun a 410 but i would try and find a way to incorporate that i would take my k-bar military fixed blade knife i would take a good machete and i would try and pack a little bit of fishing gear i would take a poncho i would take my hammock tent i would take at least one maybe two metal containers that I can store water in. I would take some fire making stuff and I guess from that I I would go with the first aid and that may oh and bolt cutters. Gotta have bolt cutters and that may be it as far as kind of a a bug out. Oh and a a map and a uh, compass. And did you mention vehicles? No, because I've considered, I mean, I would, I would pack a bunch of stuff up in my vehicle and go as far as I could, but mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't really think vehicles are going to be a, a good option, even in, in the beginning. Like, I just don't okay. think it's going to work out where, oh yeah, I can drive my pickup, you know, to this bug out spot in the mountains I wanted. I just don't mm. think that's real realistic in a realistic zombie apocalypse. Sure. Yeah, it's um, Fortnite. In Fortnite, like one of the worst things you can do is use a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it's something I really like to do whenever I play that game. I like, to, <laughs> I like to grab a vehicle because it's a really, f- like it's fast to get around for one. Mm-hmm. But it also makes a lot of noise, and everybody starts coming out, and they pay attention to the vehicle. So my strategy in that game sometimes is to just drive around and have fun. Mm-hmm. But then when I start to see people, I bail out of it, and then I watch everybody like follow it. Mm-hmm. 
as it rolls to a stop and I pick them off from that way. So yeah, you may be on to something. Well, and then, you know, depending on what kind of car you have, you could set the uh, alarm off on it and, Ah. you know, let it roll. And then all these things are coming out, chasing the alarm and you have your getaway. True, true. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Um, It was me. I would bring, so I have like a, you know, I have a bag, so I would throw like some sturdier clothes in that. Mm-hmm. I'd probably throw like one pair. I'd probably wear like a pair of running shoes or whatever, like Asics, like I normally do. But I'd also have a pair of like slip-on boots, mm-hmm. like slip-on, like you know, like like sneak. Boots. Essentially, they're like cowboy boots, but they're you know, yeah, they're not. They don't look horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I would have something like that. I would grab my Glock 17. I don't actually have a shotgun. Hmm. So that would be that would be a stop to make as I am in the process of bugging out. Okay. I would grab as much ammo as I could. I do have like a K-bar knife. Mm-hmm. So I would grab that. I would probably... Pa- actually, I don't know that I would pack up much food here mm-hmm. at home. Because I don't keep a lot of stuff that's like preserved. Kim likes to make bread fresh every couple days. Mm-hmm. So I probably, I don't know. I feel like a sea store would be a place that people would raid pretty quickly. But like grabbing a bunch of beef jerky and mm-hmm. canned stuff, prepackaged stuff, stuff that's going to keep for a while would probably be a good idea if you could get there before everybody else. But I, I also feel like that's a good way to get yourself messed up by other people. Yeah. In a panic. Oh, yeah. Like if it was a thing where the news comes out like the world is ending, the sky is falling right now. The best thing to do might be to kind of sit tight. Mm-hmm. So, Glock 17 and probably my Glock 26. Mm-hmm. They're essentially the same gun, just one smaller than the other. Mm-hmm. That way there's a backup, but they can accept the same magazines and the same ammunition. Mm-hmm. Whatever kind of pre-packaged preserved foods that I could find. Oh, we would have to bring cleaning kits for the guns, too. I forgot about that. True. The, yeah, and Glocks, I think with like a pretty basic cleaning kit but I have one in my like little gun bag anyway that I would just throw in mm-hmm. as far as a vehicle I would not use my own mm-hmm. I don't know what I would take oh no I know what I would take I would take my neighbor's like 2000 2000 or late 90s Cherokee XJ oh yeah like the old boxy Cherokee because mm-hmm. it's got like 40,000 miles on it it belonged to her dad and he just never drove it a whole lot and she won't okay. get rid of it even though i've offered her like 15 grand cash for it wow <laughs> when i needed a car before i was like i'll just buy that off you she's like oh no i'm never selling that hmm. just the one with the uh shaky <laughs> it's the glass. same one with the windows <laughs> yeah same one with the windows. all right we'll cut this out um, we don't want to have ryan's murder plans broadcast <laughs> uh yeah i'd probably use something like that but yeah i think i would probably i would Maybe not hold tight in terms of just staying at home, but I'd probably, like, get out somewhere that I know. Mm-hmm. So there are fire lanes cut around here in the woods. And some of those I've explored, like, just walking around or driving off-road or whatever. I'd probably go there and find a place to kind of camp out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, my essential kit would be compass, maps, like you, mm-hmm. K-Bar, two guns that I currently have and be on the lookout for more whatever ammunition I had 
that Jeep if I could get it because I'd want something small, small-ish, and fuel-efficient-ish mm-hmm. with decent clearance and off-road capabilities. And then I'd probably want to just wait because there's a lot of stuff that you'd want to pick up on the way and I think that a lot of the other items that you'd have would be you know things that you would get depending on what your strategy is so like I might run into a store and like I might run to Walgreens and like go to the magazines or whatever Mm -hmm. I assume they still have a magazine section I have no idea and I'd like duct tape some of those to my forearms Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be out and about so I have like basically a bracer like I was talking about that's something you could really yeah you could really quickly improvise something like that well and then find like a life straw or something like that but I mean my kit would be pretty light I would want to be able to be as mobile as possible and pick things up as I need them well and then you also want to be able to shed things that you you know, I would take as much as you think you can handle and then just be ready to pare down as you go. Another thing to think about is like the the Ford Ranger and the Mazda pickups have a 3.0 V6 that can mm-hmm. use, I guess, ethanol, just like straight corn juice, basically. Mm-hmm. As, I don't think you can go back to gasoline after that. There will be warlords. See Negan from Walking Dead. You're going to want your group, group of people you trust, and skilled people. And you're going to want to study everything you can about mechanics, engineering, first aid, agriculture, construction. You're going to wean yourself off of luxury items. You do not need Cadbury eggs for breakfast every day. (laughs) For, For breakfast. I would, yeah, I agree. I would, uh, I, and I would also probably say, like, leave behind sentimental things. Because hmm. you could get yourself into a position where you're trying to carry around a lot of stuff with you that you really don't need. And that you might be hurting your ability to be mobile by having. Yeah. You're going to want to learn as much about your area as you can. So, boom, you set your camp up and you send scouts out. You're going to want to learn to hunt, trap, fish, skin, and cook, including smoking meats. It's not as difficult as one might think, but it is something that you're going to need to look into. You're going to become an expert in your location and learn all you can. The less people you have with you in a large area, the easier things are going to be as far as resources and everything else. Uh, like we said, send scouts out to find new a new place or other groups. It's going to be hard because it's going to end up like, hey, shit hit the fan and your daughter was at school and you're, you know, at a baseball game. What do you do now? Yeah, and I think part of what I forgot with my plan is there are certain people that I'd want to bring with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people who hunt. I know people who... Like, Kim would be handy to have because she has medical experience. Right. Along with just learning these things, it would be useful. I I think the thing that would kind of start to rebuild society pretty quickly, like why I think it would... Like, for sure, there'd be warlords and things like that. And we the the same thing happened historically when the Romans pulled out of England. Mm -hmm. If you believe they pulled out, but go ahead. (laughs) It devolved into warlords and things like that. Very quickly, people would realize, like, oh, we need a doctor, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find one. Yeah. And they're going to kind of rebuild society around, like, okay, we have to have a doctor. 
or we have to have this mechanic, we have to have a farmer, we have to have an engineer, we have to have all these things. And then you kind of end up with these little individual tribes. Yeah. Eventually. I just don't know how long it would take to get to that point. So, and there are definitely friends that I would not bring with me. <laughs> One of my friends, she, I, I love her, <laughs> but she like requires a babysitter mm. whenever her husband is out of town, which I mean, we're all friends. Like he, he was my friend first, but yeah, if he's out of town for some reason, she will start calling everybody else in the friend group to be like, Hey, I, I need a babysitter because I'm, I'm alone and I don't like to be alone. She also doesn't like to be outside. She doesn't like to get wet. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, you are going to have to make choices because people are going to, you know, see, Oh, well, yeah, this person that I laughed at, that I joked about behind their back, this person that goes to the firing range a couple times a month and knows how to fish and makes his own beef jerky. Oh, yeah, that, that guy's a joke, man. Oh, shit, there's a zombie ap- apocalypse? Well, I'm going to go with him. Eh, no, you're not. You're not. There's a very small group of people that I would go with and I would invite you and Kim and your baby to go with that group if you wanted but there's not a lot of people that I would I mean right now I'm talking like 15 maybe 20 people tops my group wouldn't be nearly that big yeah well I mean I've got kind of a big family I have to think about so I've been kind of into this uh, edible and medicinal plant kick recently here and after you know doing some research i'm walking through my backyard and i'm like oh i could totally eat that entire plant oh these things oh yeah you just pull the roots up put some honey smush them together and you can make something that tastes like a hamburger oh that that little thing yeah you can actually pop a leaf off and squeeze the salve out and put it right on a cut it'll be an antiseptic and antibiotic and heal it up quicker there's a lot of stuff available. It's just that no one wants us to know about it or we have lost our connection with it. But I mean, literally after just doing a little bit of research, walk through a park and I could find in 10 minutes food for my entire family for the whole day. It's out there. You just have to know. Be willing to think and learn. And that seems to be in short supply nowadays all right so yeah get out there learn your edible and medicinal plants yeah find yourself a native american (laughs) that'd be my suggestion because on my dad's side of the family my great grandma was half cherokee Mm -hmm. and she apparently knew all kinds of stuff my dad talked about being a kid and like visiting you know, while she was still alive, and if anybody was sick or had some kind of injury, she would just, like, go off into the woods because they kind of lived in the country. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think that was in, like, Georgia or Alabama. That doesn't really matter, but she would go off into the woods and just come back with some kind of plants or leaves or whatever and mix something up, and she'd be able to cure you pretty much right away. Yeah, they're saying now that I think it's wild lettuce has opiate caliber pain relief with no opiate or addiction but god forbid somebody studies that but yeah that knowledge is out there seek it out it's interesting i mean it doesn't it's not expensive knowledge to get look into it because you don't want to have this pop off and then be like oh uh let's 
run by the library real quick so I can get a book on edible plants in the Midwest. So, and you can get, I have pamphlets. I've got three pamphlets, mushrooms, medicinal, and edible. And they each have like 30 or 40 selections in there. And they teach you what to and how to cook or make medicine, you know, poultices and stuff like that. Tinctures out of stuff that's probably in your yard. I'm not worried about the zombie apocalypse. I'm worried about other things that could happen where I may need to use this knowledge and this preparedness, but I don't know. How worried are you that a a zombie virus could kick off somewhere? Not really worried. Yeah, not really worried. I mean, I know we've, there's that fungus. Cordyceps. Yeah. And there's also Toxoplasma Gandhi or Gundai. How are you supposed to pronounce that? It's because uh, Gandhi sounds strange. Sounds like it's <laughs> anyway. Um, it's a hallucinogen. That's one that is found, or you can get it from uh, cat waste, mm-hmm. and in rodents, it causes them to become unafraid of cats, basically, and kind of present themselves to them because huh. this this um, parasite only breeds in like the intestines of cats or something like that. Wow. So basically they have to be they ha- they, they cause a, a mouse, rodent, whatever to be eaten. Mm-hmm. And they have studied them in humans because humans get them. Basically if you're a cat person and you've had cats you probably have it. Gross. But they were saying that in humans it doesn't seem to do much. They said in some studies it appeared that maybe a human with it there um Reaction times might be slightly slower, mm-hmm. but then others found that there was no real difference, that it doesn't really impact humans at all. But, I mean, the fact that it can do that to a rodent, I mean, it's totally possible, I think, that something could eventually evolve to do something like that to us. The warning sign would probably be, like, apes or chimps or something like that starting to get this or display this strange behavior. Well, as- Although we're genetically pretty close to a lot of things, so yeah. I guess it could make the jump from almost anywhere without... It would just be, like, more obvious in something that's so much closer to us. I think that a lot of people are also speculating that it could be some form of airborne rabies if it if it does happen. And that would make sense to, you know, make people crazy and violent. But as far as I know... When an animal has rabies, at least in the beginning, it's not something that is going to, like in a human, it wouldn't make them only be able to stumble around slowly and, you know, have very limited physical capabilities. It's it's going to be, and it's not going to be something that makes them superhuman, but they'll have, you know, close to the abilities that a normal human would have along with this sickness, which would make this apocalypse much, much worse if we're facing zombies that have any kind of, you know, physical abilities whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Or a greater understanding of what's going on if they were harder to lure, harder yeah. to trick. Yeah, that's a great point. So let's hope it's not rabies. A lot of this advice probably help a lot of people in their next playthrough of like the last of us or something like that. (laughs) 
I also wonder what would happen because I am half digital, half analog where, you know, I grew up kind of analog and now I'm digital. But what happens to, you know, in 10 years when, you know, there's 20 year olds out there facing this apocalypse and they just don't have access to the Internet? That could make people crazy. You know, I mean, people that have had this their whole lives that spend their days on a screen all day. And then all of a sudden their life is flipped way upside down. Not only I think just like if the government was like, you know what? You guys fucked around too much. We're shutting down the Internet. If they shut down the Internet, people would go nuts. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, but I love that idea. But yeah, you're right. There, There are people who don't who wouldn't know how to handle it. I mean. The world is your oyster at that point. You're no longer limited to the whims of like some company. And I've heard of stuff like that happening on, you know, I think Amazon and maybe even Google or whatever. Like movies that people have purchased digitally are just going out of their library because the companies behind them are no longer paying the royalties to keep them on their platform. So you could go out and pay 20 bucks to have like the Batman. But if, if whoever you bought it from doesn't want to pay the licensing fee anymore, apparently it can just go away. That's fun. So you're probably a lot better off buying that stuff physically. You know, and just being used to doing, like, being used to having another way to do things. Like, oh, I can't listen to Spotify? Okay, I'll just go over my shelf of records and put an album on. Yeah. Sounds like you've got it all figured out. As far as this one goes, you want to tell them what they need to know? Yeah, so as Jay said at the top of the show... Share us on social media. Share us with your friends and family. It's the best way to get us out there and the most valuable thing that you can do for us. Because like you said, we do this because we like doing it. And we want to entertain people. We want to inform people. We want to make people think. So we really appreciate anything you guys can do to help us out. You can find us on TikTok at cryptic underscore podcast and on YouTube at cryptic podcast. And you can always find our good friend Parabox and a link to everything they're doing in the show notes. All right. We'll be back with the after party on Thursday. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Oh.